0: So good to see everyone. Stand up, if you would please, and those of you at home, if you're in your pajamas, go ahead and stand up. <laughs> Lift your Bibles, your phones up. Say, "This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do." Today, I'll be taught the Word of God. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, Amen. You may be seated. Um, Susan sends her greetings all the way from the beach, <laughs> says she misses you, and uh, there you have it. <laughs> also, want to be, because uh, sometimes in the absence, you know, I've, I've done this for a long time, and people always read into your life. Uh, and uh, her absence is off to people. what's up? Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. I just want my wife to enjoy her life and do what she needs to do, and uh, she's been hanging out with her kids for about three weeks, and I've been hanging as much as I can, and they're awesome, and we're so grateful for all of them, grateful for you. Also, be praying for Pastor Jesse. Uh, this past week, uh, he lost his youngest sister. She passed away, and uh, so he is not here this morning. And uh, so we'll be praying for him. It's been tough. I've spoken with him a couple of occasions, and it's been a really difficult uh, situation. He lost, he's lost a brother, a mother, and now a sister, and they're a large, close family. So anyway, today we're going to continue this series, Best of the Best. Today I want to talk about do your best to experience his best. We live in a world that is driven... To succeed whether the motivation to succeed is right or wrong some people are motivated to succeed uh, in order to convince themselves that they have value and uh, that's a kind of a desperate type of pursuit because the reality is that our value is not found in our success or what we do our value is found in Christ we're created in his image and his likeness So there are oftentimes people live their entire life living at their very worst. And it's only because they don't realize their value. And so uh, oftentimes we, we measure life also by other people's successes, not just ours. And we begin to compare. Anytime we compare our lives with someone else, our success or lack of with others... Uh, we will always find ourselves falling short of our best the goal in that the goal is to win the gold and to be the best at whatever uh, sport that you're you're playing or whatever your event you 're entered into. But when it comes to life there 's really no way to measure who is the best. Uh, I remember when I first got born again that Everybody measured their Christianity against the Christianity of Billy Graham. And as much as I admired Billy Graham, actually had an opportunity to speak uh, in front of his entire staff. And and it was uh, one of the greatest honors I've ever had. Uh, And I respected him as much or more than any believer that I've ever known. However, Billy Graham himself would tell you, don't measure yourself by me. You measure yourself by the cross. You measure yourself by your creator who loves you, gave his life for you. And so the goal is not for you to be the best. That's not the goal of this series, but how to be your best. And in doing so, you will experience his best. So if you'll turn your Bibles to John chapter 11, and and this has always been a little confusing, and I, I... I have a bachelor's degree, master's degree, studied the Bible front to back, back to front, inside and out, and, you know, you just never figure it all out, right? I mean, if you think you can, uh, good luck. But what I realized is there are so many stories in the Bible that cross over, overlap, and you're trying to figure out. How many of you have ever asked the question, how many Marys are there really? I mean, I, I actually know families uh, from the Catholic background, and they will name all of their daughters Mary with a different middle name because Mary was such a popular figure uh, in the Bible. And so when I, what I'm about to read here is a story that we're all very familiar with, but it could be a little confusing if I don't try to explain or set it up right. Some of you remember... Mary Magdalene, Magdalene, because that's where she was from, Magdala. And so we we hear of that story, and she's the woman who came in, and I'll read it in a moment, and broke this alabaster box, and it had the perfume, and, and it was beautiful. It was a beautiful picture, word picture, in the Bible of, of her love for Jesus. This is the very same Mary who had a sister named Martha and a brother named Lazarus. And so you kind of see Mary in two different lights here, so I'll try my best to merge the two. But in John 11, 1, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. now you can imagine just for a moment you feel the love in, in these verses and and how much they loved their brother and how, how worried and concerned they were and they knew about Jesus and they had already Mary had already had this really great encounter in Luke chapter 7 with Jesus and the story of him with his disciples and so on and so forth and I'll get to that in a moment but Now, they're faced with this crisis, and I love what they say. It's not, Lazarus is sick, we love him, but Jesus, the one that you love. We always have to remember, in the worst of times, in the worst of circumstances, that nobody loves those that we're concerned about more than Jesus does. You think you love somebody, he loves them even more. And in difficult times, in the worst of times, sometimes it's very difficult to imagine the best of times. When you're going through a very dark season, when you're going through a difficult time, to really begin to imagine and pinpoint what your best really looks like. Because whether we hear it or see it, other people are going through crises just like we are. And so when we're doing our best, sometimes people are at their worst. And so it's very important to better and become their best. And let's jump to verse 17. It says, On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So you may recall, Jesus didn't respond to the first request rapidly. He told his disciples, we're just going to wait. So they wait, and now this by this time, Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. This is a very interesting chapter in the Bible because you see two very different personality types. Martha was a busy person. She was a worker bee. Mary had had an encounter with Jesus. Now, let me say this to you. When you've had an encounter with Jesus, everything about you changes. Something happens that calms your soul and begins to address fear when fear is trying to address you. Martha had not had the same encounter that Mary had had with Jesus. So Mary is chilling at home. Now, I don't think they had that word back then, you want to chill. They didn't have refrigeration all that. We say chill, cool down. So Mary stays at home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Two ways to look at this. One is, what she's really saying is you could have fixed the problem. You could have healed him, but it's too late now. So she did exercise some faith, but there's, and when I read this, there's an edge of criticism in this. Can you sense it? Hey, like, man, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Now, Jesus is so secure in who he is. He just listens. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now... Just put yourself in that position for a moment, and you're trying to follow Jesus' logic here. This is a moment, of, yes, Lord, she told him, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who, come, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. Just for a moment, just pause and think why all of a sudden Jesus is having a conversation with Martha, but he's asking for Mary. When you've had an encounter and you've approached Jesus, the way Mary approached him with this wealth of perfume, let me tell you, she did her very best, and she was about to experience his very best. Everybody on earth wants the best. Many people want to be the best, but everybody on earth strives or wants to, whether they strive or not, to be their best. The challenge is to be our best requires something of us, a sacrifice of our pride, a sacrifice of time, a sacrifice of money, a sacrifice of service. In other words, if we're going to be our best, the idea is that we, because we're attempting to be our best, we're going to help other people be their best. The way I see my job and preaching is that every Sunday, my job is to get up and help every one of us to become better, to become our best. If you're a critical person, to minimize your criticism. If you're angry, to remove some of that anger. If you're fearful, to wipe away the fear. Why? Because we want to be our best. If we will be our best, we will always experience His best. We see this in Mary. Everything she her very best to believe and to follow Jesus and to give of everything she had in order to experience His best. Now, I'm obviously a church advocate, but I'm not a church snob. I believe church will always have a place in society for this very reason. When you get around people of different persuasions and ideologies and opinions and dress and so on and so forth, it challenges us to become our best. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. When I'm around people of different opinions, I become better. Just in the green room, our musicians are awesome. They're wonderful. And, and my son is, is very, uh, he keeps up with all the politics of our day. And so we were having this wonderful discussion prior to coming out and having church. You know, they say there are several things you don't talk about, Jesus and politics, you know, and money. You don't talk about those things. But I enjoy talking about them because they stretch me to become better and to become my best. There was a time, and some of you may have experienced this, and if you're older, I promise you have. And I don't even know what older is. I'm just going to generally use that because I'm never going to be old. But I'll be older than some people all the time. I was when I was three. I was older than my little brother who was one. So I guess you could have said I was older. But now that I'm older, I realize my generation, our greatest flaw, one of our greatest was dogma. We called it conviction. But really, dogma meant that we were right and everybody else was wrong, and your opinion doesn't serve a purpose in my life. When in reality some people's different opinion is going to make you the best or help you to be at your best, to be a better person, to create tension in thought. So if you, you know, a lot of people might have. You say, well, I, I can't. Doctrinal difference that somebody might have. You say, well, I, I, can't, I can't go there. I don't believe in miracles today. Not until you need one will you ever believe in one. But I would never leave a church because of one doctrinal issue. If a person believes in Jesus, that he died for the sins of mankind, and that he ascended to the right hand of God, and that one day he will return, there's really not a lot for me to argue about. Do I sprinkle when we baptize, or do we dip? I don't really care. I used to care because I was very dogmatic. And my way was the right way, and the rest of y'all just going to hell. And so all I'm trying to get us to see today is if you're going to be your best and help others become their best, then you will begin to take on the role of understanding and listening. And and so here we have this tension when Jesus is approaching Lazarus or the home of Lazarus and and there's all the if you'd have been here My brother wouldn't have died and I know that you're you know You can ask whatever and at the end you'll rise So there's all this tension and mary and martha and martha's complaining that mary's not serving Because she's sitting around hanging out with jesus and martha's cooking in the kitchen and all that and she wants Mary's. You see the tension the difference in mary and martha? It's like God intentionally puts people in our lives who are different than us. Some of you think he does it just to irritate you. But the reason God allows us to have different opinions and ideas is because we really become better and we sharpen one another. And too often, we want to be right. We're trying to just be right. Instead of saying, I'm willing to listen. To what you have to say. And if we do happen to disagree, let's smile and you buy me a cup of coffee. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's the influence of Martha. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, Come see, Lord. They replied, The most powerful and smallest, shortest verse in the Bible, John 11:35, Jesus wept. In that moment, Jesus began, began to identify with the pain and the suffering that was going on in the family. So how do I begin, begin to become my best? Number one is the presentation of yourself. In your worst, your darkest, your most difficult moment, the presentation of who you really are. So often we go to Jesus with a mask on. We approach him the way we want him to see us instead of how he really already sees us. You see, we never really get to our best without acknowledging our worst. And oftentimes, we even, when we try to acknowledge our worst, we try to clean it up a little bit. Instead of saying, you know, God, I'm just a mess. I am just, I am just, it's just unbelievable to me that you can really love somebody like me. Woe is me, what a wretched man I am. And some people go, oh, I'm not that bad. You're terrible. You are a horrible sinner immediately out of your mother's womb. You're corrupt in every way. See, that doesn't get a lot of hallelujahs. (laughs) And shouts of, oh boy, he's so good. The reason I'm saying this is, the quicker we can acknowledge our worst is the minute we start becoming our best. But when I'm not transparent with God who knows all and sees all, there's very little hope that I will ever be my best. When I went through everything I went through the last five years, the greatest outcome, I I would not want to repeat it, but I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. All that I learned in the midst of that dark time was that Mark Crow had lied to Mark Crow. You can't lie to God. I mean, you can, but he knows the truth. Matter of fact, I am the truth. Jesus said, I have the way, the truth, and the life. And so what happens is it, we, we never really get to our best because we're still hanging on to our worst. When you can look in the mirror and go, I'm just all of that and even more, and God still loves me. Mary, according to biblical scholars, this very Mary, Mary Magdalene, now this is what scholars and historians say about her, that Mary was a follower or a disciple of Jesus. Now, we don't hear about female disciples, but there were a group of women, just like the men, some of them the wives of the men, that followed Jesus. Now, scholars suggest that when you read this, this is the woman their spirits were cast out of. They called her historically a prostitute. And so when she came into the room where Jesus was dining, uninvited, and began to weep and wipe his feet with her hair, the disciples were offended. If he only knew what kind of woman this was. If I was Jesus, I would have smote, smited all of them. You don't think, it's like, you don't think I know? Jesus knew exactly who she was. But the disciples were insecure. Mary had to fight through every imaginable thought to even present herself to Jesus. But Mary, something in Mary said, I know I'm not living my best life. I know I'm not doing my best. And if I don't do my best, I will never experience his best. Now, it's not like Jesus doesn't accept us, love us, and forgive us. That's not the point. The point is how we think about ourselves and how we live. In the Gospel of Luke, the story of Mary is all about forgiveness. And you can see it in Luke chapter 7. It says, when a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house... These are religious guys. She brought an alabaster jar of perfume and at them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. One of the greatest moments in biblical history, as Jesus allows this woman who was a notorious sinner in that town, to come And even touch him, even touch his feet. Mary said, nothing is going to prevent me from my best. I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what you say about me. I don't care what your opinion is. I'm going to press in to Jesus. Listen, you know why many people don't come to church? It's because the church is filled with people like you and me. That's the excuse. And I'm thinking, if you only knew why I preach what I preach. I don't preach what I preach from a platform of perfection. I preach what I preach because like Mary, one day I approached Jesus and I got the very same response that she got. And I was able to... To be touched and touch him, metaphorically speaking, and change my life and put me on a pathway from my worst to walking toward my best. Now we never arrive and become the best because he said, the Bible says, he who began a good work in us will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And we don't measure someone's best by our own personal convictions or opinions or doctrines. We don't do that. And oftentimes, the reason we are divided as a human race is because we're measuring people by our perceived uh, best and what we think is the best. And, And we can't imagine that anybody would do something so bad or so horrible when in reality, it's the very reason Jesus gave his life. He didn't give his life just because we were a little off track. He gave his life because we were jacked up all over. Now, some of you have never really physically done anything so horrible. Your thoughts stink just as bad as the person who acted them out. I'm having a hard time being encouraging today. I know. I realize that. But I'm just a little exhausted with the world looking at the church, and we're throwing stones at each other, and they're like, I don't want to get in a rock fight. Because Christians are the worst. We, we, we preach one thing and we talk one thing and we talk grace until somebody does something that crosses the path of my conviction and then we start stoning them. When a woman who had lived a sinful life Many people will never become their best because they have been convinced by a religious world that they're nothing but horrible people. And the reality is we may do some things wrong, but we're created in the image and likeness of God, and you were never horrible, and you are not horrible. You are a wonderful, fearfully made person that made some mistakes. We act I can't believe. And we act shocked when somebody makes a mistake. We act, I can't believe you did that. Why not? Because you've never done it and we judge. And the Bible says the measure we judge, we will be judged. What I want to present as when I talk about the best of the best, i in coats and giving full approval to kill a follower of Jesus. And yet, Book-wise, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Not content-wise, but book-wise, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. This is a man who, by all today's standards, should have been imprisoned himself. And yet, becomes one of the greatest apostles of all time. We go back to Peter, who cut off ears. We go back to David who murdered Bathsheba. We'll go back to Moses, who killed an Egyptian. We, we go throughout the Bible, and we love these guys. They're heroes. Why are they heroes? What, what, is it only because we don't have to live amongst them? What if we lived amongst Moses? What if Moses and David and Paul walked in here today? They would be thrown out of most churches. They were horrible men in the eyes of religious people, but they really weren't horrible men. They just did some horrible wrong things, and and they all presented themselves back to God. If you want to be your best, you must present your worst to Him Without, without any shame, but with great repentance. God, forgive me. I don't have time. People say, what do you think? This is wrong, that's wrong. I've had people come up to me. I've told this story before, but it's one that continues to amaze me and pop up in my head. I'm in theology school. I'm going through school. And uh, a person comes up to me and says, now, let me ask you a question. This is a Pharisaical woman. Now, if somebody's driving down the road and somebody in another car irritates them and they get angry and they flip the other driver off, is it okay that I said that? I think so. And they run into a telephone pole and die right after they flip that other driver off. Do they go to heaven or hell? What did I do to deserve this question? And I looked, and I knew, I knew, what I, I knew the response I was going to. I said, well, let me ask you a question, because that's what Jesus did. He always asked a question with a question. You know, I said, so... Was the person that hit the pole, had they asked Jesus to be the Lord of their life? Well, yes. I said, well, they're in the heaven. Oh, boy. They were so mad at me. I said, look, we sin every millisecond. It's like there's not a moment in my preaching right now, and I could be thinking of things that are going, oh, God. I don't want to. I don't try to. That's after what they did to me. And you, you, but you're okay with that thought because you know what they did to you was so wrong. Jesus sick them. And while you're asking Jesus to sick them, somebody's asking Jesus to sick you. It's a sick society. See, is, is you. all I'm trying to get us to see is, is, look, if you really want to be your best and experience his best, leave the rest to him. Mary's approaching Jesus. I mean, she had this unique relationship. Our best is clothed in humility. When she approached Jesus in front of the religious leaders of that day, it says they all knew her because they called her a sinful woman. It was her humility, not her confidence, that she approaches Jesus in front of the religious leaders who are going to condemn her and condemn her behavior. I don't have time to go around condemning anybody else's behavior. I've got my own issues. You don't talk about mine. I won't talk about yours. And we'll live our best life. Leave me alone. And I will leave you alone. And we will leave it all to Jesus. So your neighbor's an idiot. Put them in the hands of God. Because they think you're an idiot too. Who wins? The only person who wins is the person who says, I'm just going to live my best life. I'm just going to do my best to so I can experience his best. We're too busy measuring everybody else's life, trying to pull them down so we can feel better about ourselves. We are no better than anyone else. I'm no better than you. If I would have never sinned, I'm no better than you. God loves you as much as he loves me in my I'm God loves you as Let's go back to Billy. <sighs> Billy Graham. So, well, God really loves Billy Graham. Yeah, as much as he loves you. And not one bit more. But he was so good and he preached to the multitudes. That was Billy's call. That was what he was supposed to do. He just obeyed God. That was where God put him. He, you, let's think for a moment, it was that Jesus fed the multitudes with. We never talk about mama. Mama is never discussed, but we talk about the faith of the little boy whose disciples, I'm not sure he felt intimidated when Peter come over. We want your bread and fish. I mean, I'd give him up too if I was a kid. We're not sure how Peter approached him, but we do know this that the little boy was not the one who made the lunch, but the mother, somewhere back in the Bible, her name is never mentioned, who said, son, here's your lunch. And he's walking along, and these burly disciples come up and say, hey, we need your fish, and we need your bread. Kid went, okay. Your name may may never be known, and quite frankly, that's a good thing. Most people want to make their name known. Just make his name known. It's it's not about our popularity or our success. It's about us understanding that our best life and going after our best life will help us experience His best life. Micah 6.8 says to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. Number two, the presentation of our faith and His authority. Presentation of our faith... The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. We must exercise faith, and that's exactly what Mary was doing to become her best. When she approached Jesus, she approached him with faith, believing that that he would not reject her, but that he would accept her. Oswald Chambers says, Faith for my deliverance is not faith in God. Faith means whether I am visibly delivered or not, I will stick to my belief that God is love. There are some things only learned in a fiery furnace. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. There are people who want to answer for your life, who want to have an opinion about what you can or cannot do, what you should or should not do, where you should go or should not go. Throughout history, the church has been divided on so many fronts, from the theology of transubstantiation, where the wine in this particular denomination or this church becomes the blood of Jesus, and that you know, then you, you used to use the word, you know, wine in church, and you would be persecuted because many denominations believed that Jesus turned water into grape juice. No, that's what I grew up hearing. Pastors said, Well, it was grape juice. Well, if you read the whole thing, it really wasn't. So, let me just pick a fight here. It doesn't take that much when you touch certain topics. But the reality is whether you're right, I'm right, or somebody else is right is really not what's important. What's important is are you becoming the best you you can become? based on your relationship with Jesus. You see, Mary had her unique relationship with Jesus. Martha had her unique relationship with Jesus. Martha was a doer. She was always doing. She didn't have time to sit down and and, and experience Jesus. She was cooking. She was fixing a meal, and that's good. And there was nothing wrong. I believe Martha was operating at her very best doing what she was doing. I believe Martha was made up to do what she was doing. The problem is Mary probably... She was much of a domestic technician. She, she probably wasn't really good in the kitchen. The pork chops were always extremely dry. I mean, she wasn't probably a good cook, but, but, but she had this great love and affection for Jesus, and, and she probably was a very compassionate angel, whereas Martha was more rigid and structured. Which one is right or wrong? Neither. You see what I'm saying? Martha is being her best because she's doing what she was supposed to be doing. Quit measuring your life and judging other people that don't do what you do. You will never be your best if you're pointing out other people's worst. This is the reason the Bible says love never fails. Why? Because love loves. And for us to really, really, I could sum up, I could just, if I could preach a five-minute message, just live a life of love. If you and I will live a life of love, we won't have time to go around judging other people, measuring other people's presentation of self and faith. We won't worry about that. But if we're living our best life, there's a really good chance other people will follow what they see because they will never hear what you say because it's judgmental to them. Martha's judging Mary for sitting at the feet of Jesus. But Mary says, this is my best life. This is me experiencing my best, and I, as a result, will experience His best. Then lastly, if you'll notice, is the presentation of the need. Oftentimes, we will present our need before anything else, and the reality is we need to present ourselves first. We enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I first must present myself to him and my praise to him and my worship to him. It's not that he won't hear my need. He deuce itself and it doesn't become the mountain that it was because now we have presented ourselves to God and we're in the presence of God and his presence overshadows the devastation or the great need that we thought we had before we entered into his presence. That's the reason that worship is so powerful is because worship exalts God and reduces our problems. You, you read the tweet last week or the post last week. When we focus on our pain, we lose sight of God. When we focus on God, we lose sight of our pain. It could be said when we focus on God, we lose sight of our problems. And all of a sudden, without realizing it, that was We thought was a problem really isn't a problem. And this is why over the years, and I used to be one of those Marthas that responded to everything immediately instead of saying, you know, I think I'm just going to wait upon the Lord. People say, you need to cut it off now. You need to make sure now. No, no, no. There are times you just go, I think I'm just going to stay in the presence of Jesus. And I'm going to see what Jesus wants to do with this situation. Sometimes with your kids, if you have kids at home, you want to slap them into next week. And they probably, in, in worldly terms, deserve it, but not in Jesus' terms. It's like, let me just kind of let this simmer for a little while. Let me just be my best while they're at their worst and see if they want to humbly repent for their stupidity. Or whatever you, words you prefer using. After all of this encounter with Jesus, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Mary had already had an encounter. They'd already had a relationship with Jesus. And now all of a sudden, the one in their life they love, all of them, has gone away. When you are living life at your best, you will make it possible For others to live life at their best. This is why, when you come to Mosaic, everything that drives me every time I come in here is we're creating a culture of love, of grace, and of mercy. It may take a little longer for people to change, but when people change, they're really changed when it's love, grace, and mercy. Most of the time, whenever we're mean, It's simply behavior modification that occurs if I threaten somebody to remove my love from them or I threaten them with some kind of punishment they may modify their behavior but that doesn't mean their soul is modified it simply means I don't want to get in trouble again and folks I don't like getting in trouble but the reality is behavior modification happens in moments Life transformation is forever. If we can live a life transforming, uh, a life of transformation, we'll be the best that we can be. Without pulling anyone else down, bringing anyone else into our drama, living the best life we can live, we will experience to help others become their best. If there's anything I could hope for in a church, it would be can we please help others become their best? There are people who fight in church over a seat. I love it when I see y'all move around, not sitting in the same place all the time. Because I'm going to tell you, you get real territorial. Church people get. I remember the first church I got born again in, there were two women allowed to touch the organ and the piano. God forbid that anybody else even sit on the bench. And and they were there all the time for fear that somebody else would come and play the piano or the organ and may do it just as well or better than them. Therefore, it was off limits there. And if you touched it, you're going to hell, and they're going to help you get there. They're going to pack for you. And we wonder why the world... Doesn't want to come to church. Look, folks, I, whether I'm preaching or not preaching, I'm happy. I, I, I am so absolutely confident and secure that I'm going to be who God's called me to be. Nothing more, nothing less. And so when you get to that place where you just don't care, it doesn't mean you don't care about your call or your destiny or your purpose. But you don't care who gets credit. It was Reagan who said, you know, it's amazing what can happen if nobody cares who gets the credit. Mary just loved Jesus. She was living her best life, and as a result of that, experienced his best. Quit striving. As a matter of fact, Psalm 4610, out of one translation reads, Cease striving and know that I am Lord. We strive, we fight, we push, we press, we position ourselves all in the name of, well, somebody, you know, you you got to fight for yourself. No, you just got to believe in Jesus, do what you're called to do, and eventually God will elevate you. God will elevate you. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from God. This church will be everything God wants it to be. Nothing more, nothing less. Really, And you can say, well, don't you have faith? I have faith to reach all the people I can reach, but I'm no longer connected to numbers. I'm connected to people. It's a great relief. It's a great feeling. It's, it's like nothing I've ever experienced in life. to go, God, this is yours. And if you want to keep the doors open, keep the doors open. You're going to close them, close them. I'm just going to love people. And you know, my feeling is if you love people long enough and hard enough, you will never lack people to love. Because everybody wants to be loved. There's not one of us that does not want to experience love. It's not a weakness. It's how we were created. Why? Because God is love. Amen. Live your best life and experience the best that God has. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your greatness, your mercy, your kindness, your wonder, your glory. God, we are so grateful that we can experience your best we can't see you we can't touch you but we can know you and that's our goal today is to know you to go from glory to glory to experience you every day we want to be our best god not the best we want to be our best other people might not think it's our best but it's not their call we know whether we're being our best or doing our best and Not to impress you, not to go to heaven. It's not works like that. It's, Lord, we just want to experience your best in our lives. And so we'll do our best to experience your best. Help us with that, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, there may be those of you today that have never accepted Christ, and that's the beginning of it all, is accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior, accepting his authority, his deity, that he was the Son of God, died for the sins of mankind. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, and I want to ask all of you to pray this with me. Those of you watching online, those of you in-house, pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I call you Lord. I call you Savior. I call you friend. Amen.